fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're going to discuss Episode 7 of the Game of Thrones, titled The Gift, with no spoilers <laughs> past the currently aired episodes. I'm Chooch, as always. I'm joined by Christiana. Hello! I can't believe it's Episode 7 already. It seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, especially since we just barely recorded <laughs> Episode 6's talk. Yeah. Uh, hello to Nookjus. Hello, everyone. Dear HBO, next year, no new episode on Memorial Day weekend. Please. Thank you. Please. <laughs> Do it for us. And hello there to Viv. Hi. Balticon rocked this year. You don't get to Ooh. see me <laughs> because it was so awesome. <laughs> um. So yeah, I did post our episode six discussion, which we recorded at Balticon in, a, in our hotel room. Um, audio is obviously a little different, so but that was up there. Um, hopefully, you've already enjoyed it. Uh, we also recorded a panel at Balticon where we discussed the religions of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was I a lot still of have fun. to get you that audio. <laughs> yes. So that will show up as our gift at some point in the not-too-distant future. But tonight, I think we should jump right into this episode. Sounds good to me. And uh, as we discussed, there's um, it's really kind of, everything takes place in just a couple of areas. So instead of going direct linear, Lily, we'll bunch some discussions up. And uh, Nutty had um, some notes to help us get through these waters. <laughs> Do you still start at Castle Black? Start like the episode uh, does. Yeah. Starting at the wall. John prepares to head north with Tormund. And uh, yeah. Sam hands over some dragon glass. You never know. Ah. Yeah. Chekhov's dragon glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I suspect that's gonna pay off this season. Although it's definitely uh you know, again, as we've said several times this season. They're they're starting to get so loose with what happens in the books that it's it's hard to really even know whether what happens in the books counts or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because in the books, they uh, John does not leave with Tormund. Tormund mm-hmm. comes up and does stuff on his own. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but um, uh, without necessarily getting into what happens in the books, uh, Sam. Eamon and Gilly are no longer at Castle Black at this point. Right. Okay. That's actually, like, I felt like it was such a big deal, the whole uh, Sam, Eamon, and Gilly leaving and everything, because there's this whole plot line that, I don't know, I think you as the reader kind of gets before Sam gets it, Mm -hmm. but there's all these characters that are missing from Castle Black to even make that happen. And yes. in the books, you're reading it and you think it's so important. And then you watch the show and you're like, well, I guess it's not that important to the show, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so they might be just saving some of it uh, to just, you know, mess the timelines around a little bit. Because uh, um, I don't want to, you know, this is not, um, you know, we don't want to cover spoilers of what hasn't been on the show yet. Except I'll just say 
very generally that some of the news coming out regarding next season just indicates that a, a plot line we thought had been abandoned is maybe not abandoned after all. Hmm. And that's why I'm so glad that we don't talk about things that we're not sure are dead in the story and that we kind of, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that's where I'm grateful that we, we walk that edge the way we do. Yeah. It's, it's tricky, but uh, I, I'm almost kind of eager for the point at which we stop being able to spoil it at all because um, it's uh, it's tricky. Yep. Um, but so uh, speaking of Eamon, though, um, dad, sadness. Yeah. Eamon, we've we've kind of sensed this coming the last couple of episodes. You know, we had uh, we had him, but then like there was a scene where like, oh, he's not coming to dinner tonight. Uh oh. <laughs> And who was it? Was it was it Chooch or was it Viv who said that they were scared that we weren't for a while that we weren't going to see him at all this season and we were just going to be told that he died in his sleep? Yeah, they were just mentioning he's not doing yeah. well, but we never saw we didn't see him for a while for a stretch. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I thought that was pretty that was pretty good, you know, idea of what was happening. But I like how they handled it, you know, instead of simplifying and just not paying the actor. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm grateful that they handled it the way that they did because it was a sob fest <laughs> over here for me. I was not mm-hmm. expecting it that way for various reasons, and I'm so grateful at the way they did it at the beginning of the episode instead of us leaving in that painful place again. With you know, what if that had been the last scene that they left us on this episode? I don't. I think I would have given up on the show. So cheers to them for the execution mm-hmm. that they did. They just are always full of surprises. Yeah. Well, and, we'll we'll cover it later, but certainly they ended the episode on a a, a better note this time than last time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Owen Amons, I did grab his last word. So it was interesting. He got to play with baby Sam and immediately equates to eggs laughter. And then that kind of seemed to play straight out to the end um, mm-hmm. when we lose him. Egg. I dreamed that I was old. That's a heartbreaking line because we we had had Gilly tell Sam earlier, it's like, you should get some rest. You're going to have to speak for him tomorrow. And uh, Sam was still trying to say, no, no, he'll he'll be okay. But then realized, oh, well, he's kind of, he's he's going away. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, you're guessing he's seeing the light, right? He's he's joining yeah. his brother. I love that they included that. Um, Don't just it's it's straight from the books. Um, while what happens around his death is different in the books, the entire death of Amon was the same as the books. You know, the spirit was there. Um, the burial was a you know it was it was different. Uh, for different circumstances, but uh, everything was true in spirit. The fact that he was talking about Egg, the fact that he talks to Egg at the end. For those of you who haven't heard me say this enough already, go read the <laughs> Duncan Egg Tales. Uh, they're coming out in a single book, all three novellas. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yes. Uh, this the, the Duncan Egg Tales are my favorite tie-in to this series uh, because... It just 
you can read the series without it, but it you just feel that it's it's just such a great Easter egg. Anyway, um, I absolutely love this. It moved me. Uh, we also got a uh, uh, a warning uh, of Gilly Flower get young Sam south before mm-hmm. it's too late. And, and it was one of those where it was just kind of off enough that you can't help but feel like, is that just good sense or is there something else going on there? Oh. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, I did want to point out that uh, him being cremated is not just because they're dealing with whites, by the way. It's how all Targaryens are buried. You cremate them. They're dragons. Interesting. Because um, um, Viv had a thought on that. I don't know if she had to drop out. I th- I found it when they first showed him because of the snow and the cloak. It looked like it was just his head. It freaked me out for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a special effect involved there um, that was not as optimal as it uh, could have been. I mean, I, I think that I, I agree. Uh, it did look a little bit like his head was superimposed onto something. Mm. Um, and it, it looked a little weird at first, um, I think. But yeah, so uh, I, I echo that it looked strange. Yeah. <laughs> as they were, um, as we were watching Vivid mentioned, um, saying, oh, will he burn? He's a Targaryen. He has blood of the dragon. And then, oh, well, he's dead. Course, you know, Danny didn't burn, but she was alive. <laughs> mm. Well, it's interesting too that it just reminds me of uh Viserys, um, and how that the blood of the dragon is not necessarily inherent, you know, mm-hmm. it's it could be you know, it's a uh, a trait that's not necessarily passed on to everyone in the bloodline, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh um, we also up here at Castle Black have uh, Gilly and Sam and the the others of the uh, Night's Watch, especially Sam hearing after Eamon is like, you're losing all your friends now, Tarly. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, great. <laughs> and bam, um, John leaves and Gilly's getting hassled. Yeah. Um, it's interesting just to contrast Gilly in this context because you know say compared to what they were doing with Sansa last time because obviously it's still horrible to contemplate but as far as just the characters we also have to remember you know Gilly's where she comes from you know what she grew up with so obviously she wouldn't want this but we can understand a little better why she would be more inclined to tell Sam, you know, next time that's happening, just walk away because she might be feeling like, well, you know, it's not what I want, but I, I can handle it. I don't want them to kill you because you interfere. Yeah. I, so I really yeah. enjoy how they each are trying to take care of each other in this scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're each trying to protect each other to the best of their ability. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, and thank goodness uh, for a last minute uh, direwolf. He still has a friend. <laughs> at Castle I was Black. cheering. I was clapping. Was Tech awesome. was upstairs sleeping, and I screamed, "You go, ghost!" And then I'm like, "Oops!" <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, yeah. I was so happy to see Ghost. Like you guys can only imagine. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they first beat Sam down, I thought they were going to go through with it, and I'm like, how are they going to sustain the viewership? I like, you know, two in a row. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I, I can't speak for Nutty or Christiana, but that I was absolutely terrified during that scene about what the frick are they going to do to us next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, thankfully, Ghost did not accompany John North, which my guess is because, uh, you know, Tormund is already so edgy about this and this whole idea that um, how do they know they can trust him that, you know, bringing the direwolf would probably be, you know, leaving the direwolf at home is a act of good faith, I would guess. And, you know, cause I, I saw someone uh, online asking, it's like, why didn't ghost go with John? And I think that that makes sense that, you know, that would make torment uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Um, but That's we we uh, also got the tender moment with Sam and Gilly afterwards, which I totally forgot about in the books. <laughs> and it's like somebody was listening to me. Remember when I talked about like there's only one way they ever show sex in this show? <laughs> it's not doggy style. <laughs> it's not doggy style. No, um, I have lost. to say though. Hmm? Oh, sorry. Said, no, ahead. but we get a virginity loss. <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh my, <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs> um, I couldn't enjoy the scene the first time though because I was terrified that some of the other Nights Watch were going to break in and say, "Oh, you broke your vows. We've got you now." That sort of thing. Uh, fortunately, it didn't. So I was able to enjoy the scene more the second time. <laughs> I had a flashback to Indiana Jones when she's like on top of him and it hurts. She's like, yeah. okay. And I'm like, where doesn't it hurt? <laughs> yeah, where it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really, it was, it was sweet. Um, you know, especially because obviously it's all been part of the discussion. Um, one thing that I heard some people online talking about is feeling like they thought it didn't, seem realistic that Gilly would be uh, ready for sexy times with Sam so soon after the the threat of assault earlier. And while I think that in some contexts that would be true, I feel like with Gilly it makes sense just because of her history and how she's kind of just a lot more practical about these things in general. Mm -hmm. She doesn't dwell on things. Yeah, well, I mean, but, that kind of harkens back to Shay's response to T Tyrion mm -hmm. when he tells her about Taisha, and she's like, what makes you think someone who is about to be raped is willing to have sex with you that night? You know, obviously it's a lie. Obviously she wasn't a virgin kind of a thing, but I agree with you. I think it's, well, this this is somebody from a very different lifestyle. She is not losing her virginity She's definitely thankful. This is a thank God we're alive kind of a moment. Mm -hmm. But also we've been building to this for a while. And it's yeah. really neat to see that it's not, not that I think anyone thinks this, but it is not Gilly taking advantage of nice Sam who's always just been there for her. 
It's not, it, it is more than this person's protecting me. It's, there is genuine emotion between the two of them. And I, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Tim Dodge and, uh, in the Q&A mentions oh. the context was different for Sam and Gilly. The Sam Gilly hookup in the book, they were at sea on the way to Old Town. As you were saying, they were already somewhere else. That, that was the part that I was not going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but, uh, you know, that is, it's, there we go. <laughs> oh, I was thinking. <laughs> Again, it's, it's hard. That, so it's, it is different. Um, we'll, yeah. We don't know if it's. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Well, and and again, I mean, Chooch has not read these, so he, he cannot. He's incapable of spoiling. He can only <laughs> well, yeah, but, speculate. Yeah. Well, Maybe that I, I think Tim's question though is a little spoilery. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be in control of the Q and A. It's okay. It's we tricky. Him. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's a it's a minor minor it's misdemeanor at, at worst. They're certainly yeah. stacking things up to have them not want to stick around. And Sam, you know. He's going through all this shit. He's getting beat up. We're going to have sex. You know, might as well break that vow, right? And mm-hmm. if we're going to start breaking vows further, keeping them safe is worth it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the road uh, to Winterfell, have yeah. a, just one scene with Stannis? Um, yeah, might or as well do couple. Stannis. Um He's in between Winterfell and uh, and Castle Black. Um, Not as far south as he'd like to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stuck in the snow. Davos has given the situational update and it's not looking very good. Got people yeah. leaving. Got horses dying. Does this make sense to you, Chooch? That they're in such dire straits? Um, it, I mean, the way they explain it, the supply lines are cut and Stannis had said, you know, earlier, we need to get out of here quick. And so either winter came faster than they were expecting or they didn't leave quick enough. It's believable to me. Um, geography wise, you know, I'm not quite sure the distance and cause mm-hmm. it was clearly snowing up at Castle Black and it not, isn't normally snowing that heavily there. Uh, sequentially, at uh, we also got the scene with um, Ramsey and Sansa where he sa- mm-hmm. he specifically said, you know, they are stuck in the snow thanks to this storm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, in the books, there's this whole storyline that's the reason for all of these delays. It's purposeful, uh, you know, the supply lines and everything else. And it's uh, it's a character we haven't seen in a little while, and. I just want to make sure that it made sense for people who haven't read the books. Gotcha. And uh, Stannis gets to give a nice little speech. He's not deterred by anything. We march to victory or we march to defeat. But we go forward, only forward. Yeah. Stannis looks to the red woman. Is this your doing? (laughs) I am not liking her. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit even of, you know, he just, he, he's, he's all tough in front of Davos, but then Davos leaves and he's kind of like, so, uh, Melisandre, WTF, come on. What, what's going on here? (laughs) This does not seem to be going well. I noticed something she said. She saw herself walking on the battlements of Winterfell. Mm -hmm. They had taken it over. And winter, and she was there. She did not say 
I saw us right. walking the battlements or I saw you walking the battlements. She saw herself. And that I thought was very interesting. Well, I remember her she saying, did also- yeah, you saw some, you saw, and I don't remember yeah. if she said if that led into that, what you saw, I was walking the battlements. I don't know. Yeah. He, she says, you saw a battle in the snow. Mm. Mm-hmm. She talks about, she saw herself walking the battlements. She also says she saw the Bolton's banners being lowered to the ground. Yes. So all very interesting things. I still don't like where she goes at the end of this scene. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it makes perfect sense as, uh, you know, the way they're condensing various bits of this storyline. It makes perfect sense that this is where they're going, especially, you know, as we, we discussed previously in the books, um, and Shireen, uh, and Melisandre even are, don't go south with Stannis. They all are staying up at the, uh, at Castle Black. And so, but given that they're all down there with them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as Tim Dodge says, Melisandre, the obvious solution is for you to torture your daughter. Get with the program. I cannot see him being with that program. And everything that they've showed so far of him and their relationship. Yeah. Well, I'm praying I, so hard that you're right. Just really praying you're right there, Chooch. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, to me, it seems um, like it would be really out of character at this point because they have built him, showing him to be honorable and showing, you know, all of those traits. And that would mm-hmm. just go against absolutely everything. I guess yeah. that would show how important it is for him to save the kingdoms, but, you know, save the realm. But I just, yeah. that would seem so out of character to me. I don't know how they but it would make cost, it justified, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And- well, like... Go ahead, Viv. No, I was just going to say, you know, I'm the show has gone past where I've left off in the books. So I have I have no idea what the books even say may or may not happen. I just know that I'm terrified of what the producers are going to do, regardless of what the books said. Mm. So when I say I really pray you're right, I'm serious. I have no idea what to expect. Like a lot of people, I'm kind of worried now about some of my favorite characters. Yeah. Well, some of uh, this is another example, though, of where we we don't really even have definitive answers yet in the books uh, related to this battle. There's there's some news that gets out, but we don't know how true it is or or what really happened because we haven't seen any of it on screen, so to speak. Mm. Um, So uh, we don't really know (laughs) how it's going to go in the show either. Um, but the uh, the idea that uh, it would be Shireen, I mean, he's obviously not on board now, but it's also a question of like, well, you know, it's like he said, you know, he can't he can't retreat again. And if they're losing horses and men are abandoning them, you know, it could get to the point where he doesn't have enough people or supplies to win a battle anymore. I guess earlier in that quote, he said, I must risk everything. Yeah. And so at, at some point, if it's going to be, well, we're all going to die here in the snow anyway, if I don't do something, (sighs) you know, I, so I sure hope that that doesn't happen, but I, you know, uh, (laughs) fingers crossed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Whew, boy, though, yeah, Melisandre is a piece of work. I like her a lot less in the show than I do in the books right now, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> never said this in the books. Yeah. Well, she's, yeah, she's doing a whole different thing now. <laughs> Again, it's it's different when uh, she's in a completely different place now. All sorts of characters mixing it up for us. Right. <laughs> you want to um, next, Nutty? Winterfell? Uh, yes, Winterfell is oh. next. Mm-hmm. So this was, it was an interesting, you know, because obviously after the last time we were, I think, all on a little bit on pins and needles, wondering, okay, what's what's the follow-up note to where they left it, right? And at the same time that it's kind of, it's, it's kind of even more horrifying to hear that it wasn't even a one-time thing. It's this ongoing thing for, into the indefinite future. But at the same time, what made a big difference for me is seeing Sansa back to being a little bit more proactive and not just a passive victim. You know, she's actually, you know, talking to Theon. She's deciding to try to implement this plan. And even if it's not necessarily going to go well for her, she's doing something. And that made a big difference for me. Even um, if that something is begging a slave yeah. who killed your family for your life. <laughs> to help well, you. And, and trying to dig into him to find yeah. the person who was once there. I mean, I give her mm -hmm. credit for that. I mean, yeah. no, your name is Theon. I, I give her a lot of credit there. Well, doing what she has to do. True. Yeah. And then in the next scene, she grabs, she sneaks a weapon and the mm -hmm. folds of her dress. Uh, one thing I, I did want to say is, uh, without delving into last week's episode, but as we had said, had they just left it at no, you stay, and then the door closes, and we left it at that, this scene would have worked just fine with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, it just goes into, it wasn't needed. This directly actually reminds me of, um, there's a meme going around related to the Mad Max Fury Road uh, mm -hmm. movie, and it's a weird meme because it's kind of a couple of layers deep. Because it's actually sort of a Mad Max themed take on the feminist Ryan Gosling meme. <laughs> but basically it's Mad Max doing kind of a, you know, a, kind of a smirky face. But it was saying, hey girl, I don't need to see your torture and abuse from when you were a sex slave. I believe you. Yeah. And and it just uh, makes me think about how that movie, one of the things that was interesting is how it made specific choices to not show that stuff because we didn't have to see it to understand what the situation was. It didn't use it for shock value or exploitation. And that just, in contrast, Nutty just made a weird face. Bring <laughs> my my elbow into the desk. Oh, <laughs> funny bone. I I thought you were having that reaction to what I said, and I couldn't figure out why. Like that doesn't um, make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just it made me um, it made me think uh, just how just like what you just said, Nutty, which was that they. They didn't even have to show us as much as they did last time. We would have gotten the point, and I think that it would have felt less exploitative, even if it's still the same story. Yeah. 
And you're making me want to go see Mad Max even more, by the way. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I want to see it again. So listen up, Benioff and Weiss. Mad Max, they did it right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the Q&A here, we have Tim Dodge saying, bad bet Theon went running straight to Ramsey. Mike McCauley mm-hmm. says, I must admit I was surprised to see Theon rat Sansa out about the candle. I thought he went to the tower and Samson and what's his face was in the tower having dinner. Yeah. I, this is actually a minor nitpick of mine for the show is that I think what they were trying to do was a fake out to make us think he was going to the broken tower, but then it turns out he's actually going to uh, Ramsey instead. But I think what it made it look like is what you just said, Chooch, which is Ramsey was actually just up there. I thought it was a gotcha, which is why I and I even grabbed the audio clip. Like he's gonna he's gonna go save the day, but then you have him saying, "Yes, Reek." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I had this this thing in my head as I'm watching Theon go. I'm like, Ramsey's gonna be sitting there, and he set this whole thing up, and that old lady was working for him, and this is just one of his games. And then in the later scene, we see, okay, no, he didn't set it up, and mm-hmm. okay, that means that Theon went straight to Ramsey and. It's a lot like the books, but okay. Yeah. But that's what I thought the show was doing. And so, yeah, I thought things yeah, were going to be it was, a little more complicated. Not... Sorry? I thought things were going to be a little more complicated that, you yeah. know, mm. okay, he sniffed out the, the old woman thing, but that Reek was still I was Yeah, I think the reason I'm pretty sure that it was just supposed to be a fake out and that Reek did actually just go to Ramsey on purpose mm is that he absolutely would have been punished otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And so we didn't see that. We see Ramsey basically implying, no, he just came and told me. Yeah. No, and and so, I think I think you're right that they were trying to go for something and it made it confusing. Yeah. yeah. It didn't and work. Because the next scene when he says, Reek came to me, I th- mm-hmm. thought that that was a lie that he wanted Sansa to believe that Theon yeah. hadn't cracked. Well, it's their own fault because they made it confusing. Yeah. And um, Brienne feels yeah. a disturbance in the Force. Do we know they're still out there? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got the little detail that uh, when um, Ramsay was flaying the old woman, that her heart gave out before she could actually talk. And so that's how we, because otherwise, you know, we, it, we would wonder like, well, is Brienne okay? Do they know that she's out there watching? Um, and theoretically they might still know that someone is, but if, since if the, if the Northern woman uh, died before she could talk, then there's, they still don't have the details. Yeah. Oh, well, I um, guess it's good that some guards didn't come up behind her and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Q&A, uh, Mike McCauley says, uh, the lady would have had to reveal to Ramsey about the candle or window. Yeah, uh, if, I guess he's saying if Ramsey knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what Chooch was actually saying is that the old woman was a plant from Ramsey in the first place. That, that was my would, thought, yeah. Yeah, or, okay, sorry. Yeah, if the, the idea that it was possibly just one of Ramsey's head games. Um, which certainly is within his character to do. He's all about that sort of thing. No, I wasn't even that, that was, sophisticated. I thought he just sniffed it out by some other method or, you know, yeah. or once Reek so, comes running up with a candle, he's not able, mm-hmm. there's no way he would be able to cover it up. So yeah. he would have to, you know, come clean. I think that the intention 
mm-hmm. was that we were it was just a fake out to have him look at the broken tower. He actually did just go to Ramsey on purpose. Maybe he was thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, um just because I mean from a storyline perspective, it doesn't make any sense why Ramsey's uh, room would be at the top of the broken tower. I mean, it's called the broken tower because it's kind of all beat up and unfinished and holes in it and stuff. Now, theoretically, they could have been fixing it up, I suppose, but we haven't seen that. But yeah, again, they just they made it confusing for no particular benefit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or I think they were just hoping for the fake out, the surprise, but it didn't quite play. Yeah. Um, but kind of uh, along the same lines as what I was saying earlier in the scene where Sansa comes out to meet Ramsay on the battlements, I like that she's doing stuff. Yeah, she's you know, it's swinging. certainly risky to provoke him about his potential half brother, but she's also kind of in the position of saying, well, <laughs> look where I'm already at. You know, I love her whole bit about you were legitimized by another bastard. Yeah, I'm swinging. I'm zoned. I'm kind of in and out. But if you haven't already said it, it was such an eerie recreation of what she experienced with Joffrey back in the Red Keep. Mm -hmm. And she held her ground and she was as bold as she knew how to be at that moment. And the fact that she repeated that after what that, what do you call him, Nutty? Creepy Ramsey. Yeah, that guy. After what he's already been doing to her, she still is empowered enough and still a Stark and still stands up to him. And so, mm-hmm. like, I know I cheered. Well, and what she's also doing that I thought was really interesting is she's not she's not uh, gloating about it when she says it. She's saying it with such a blank affect that if he wants to try to in public play like oh i'm actually this noble guy um she's basically just stating facts in a very calm tone of voice and it's not in an insulting way she's just making statements Mm -hmm. and for him to react with anger would make him feel like she's getting to me and I can't let her do that. Now it's of course risky because he might just decide later that night that he's mad and now it's going to be extra awful. Yeah. But, but, uh, but she's doing stuff. She's doing things. And like she, we see her swipe the little, it looks like a, like a, you know, corkscrew. I think it's a, like for barrels, I think is what it was. Looks kind of like a corkscrew, but she, she swipes that. That's kind of cool. Um, I want it to go in his wait, eye. Wait, wait, can 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 you repeat that phrase? Fur barrels, no, four, four barrels, barrels. like <laughs> a barrel you. that might have things in it, like a bunghole no. puller. Yeah, yeah. That less and dirty. this is why I'm mic'd. I'm muted. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so um, she stands up to him a little bit, you know, and like you say, in, in a great uh, way, and is immediately punished for it by getting the northern one though she was going to get that either way yeah right oh i just remembered why i called you out here well he also sorry go ahead sorry i just wanted to add on to what christiana was saying before like she's got 
the way that she does it is with such style and class. And I feel like she leveled up from when she did this to Joffrey. Because we remember when she said to Joffrey, oh, so you'll be leading the vanguard. Yes, just like my brother. He's always out in front and even he's a traitor, you know. <laughs> and I feel like she's even better now doing this with Ramsay because it doesn't seem like she's taunting him at all. She really is just, as Christiana said, she's just stating facts. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love in the way that I absolutely hate him, but I kind of love how evil he is because he's there complimenting her and saying how pretty she is. And he genuinely looks like he's happy to see her. And then it's, hey, check out what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's horrible. I hate him. Yeah. Creepy oh, so horrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously it doesn't go very well ultimately. I mean, she's in a very grim place right now. But, again, the fact that she's trying to do stuff mm-hmm. makes so much difference for me in, in terms of how I feel about it. It's still awful, and I, you know, I, it's a terrible place for her to be, and we hope that she gets out of there. But again, it's, it, it returns to the Sanso that we've been seeing grow over the last season and a bit of just someone who's trying to actually step up and recognize, look, I can't rely on other people to do all this for me. I need to be able to make decisions and take actions of my own. And so I was glad to see that again because I felt like you know, the scene at the end of the last episode sort of thrown that away. And so even though this doesn't redeem that, at least it's back on track. Yep. In my head, I can pretend that scene just didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> so she, she does learn that John is now the Lord commander. That was news. She mm-hmm. seemed a bit surprised. I don't know if it was that she just kind of had ridden him off. Like he doesn't really exist now. Cause he's just gone and she's stuck in this horribleness or oh. that's right. He's in castle black. I don't, know. I, I don't know that it was like she was surprised to be reminded that he exists as much as just like he's pretty young to be Lord Commander. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's impressive. <laughs> like that's that's like hearing, oh, your you know, your little brother went off to camp and uh, now he owns the camp. Right. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess technically. Is he is John John's older than Sansa, older. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but n- not by much. I don't. He's think. he's only slightly younger than Rob. Rob and John right. were born. Mm. Uh, John was brought home as a well. Let's see. So Ned left, and Catelyn was pregnant with Rob, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when he came back, he had John. Yeah. So. Well, Rob was all of born that was by then. I only even asked the question because I couldn't remember if he was really little brother or big brother. But anyway, but it's, it's, um, it's similar enough. I think I think that this scene is interesting in the sense that in the books, Sansa never thinks of John. John never thinks of Sansa. The she's so much like her mother that there's mm-hmm. so little connection there. And yeah. then this is the first time we've seen any connection between. John and Sansa. I mean, there was definitely strong connection between John and Rob, between mm-hmm. John and Arya, and and then last season, I think it was, or was it the season before that we were teased with uh, Bran and John being able to see each other again. But there's been like nothing 
it, it's almost as if they're from different families. So this was mm -hmm. kind of good for me. Um, one interesting note too, um, just that uh, in the books, the the comparable character to what Sansa is undergoing right now was actually one of Sansa's friends, Jenny Poole, but who was only there because the Lannisters were trying to pass her off as Arya. Yeah. So it was Ramsay marrying Arya Stark, even though we know it's not really Arya. And so what John has heard up at Castle Black is that Ramsay's going to be marrying Arya. Yep. Um, uh, Tim Dodge uh, says, uh, does anyone else think that Ramsay's promise to Littlefinger that he will never hurt Sansa will come back to haunt him? Littlefinger claims to have helped kill a king. What will he do to a petty tyrant who has brutalized his little prize? Uh, I hope so. Mike McCauley says, I think Ramsay's days are numbered. Um, yes, I think we all hope that somebody gets to kill Ramsay. Um, I, I'm rooting for Sansa to get to do it at this point, but yeah. uh, plenty of people have a claim. Theon would certainly uh, be a good choice. Littlefinger would also be fun. As long as somebody gets to do it, I think I'll be okay. Tough you know what? with Baelish, you know. I honestly would be happy if he just tripped and fell down the stairs and broke his neck. Right. <laughs> but it, it, I was just going to say, it, it's hard to Ooh, know dysentery. what Baelish would think is, you know, um, is categorized as hurting her. Like, you know, does is he just not, is this just details? This is just part of doing business? Or is I, this revenge I worthy? Think, I think Littlefinger really underestimated Ramsey. Mm. I think that he thought... Ramsey was a semi-reasonable person who would understand that they ought to be treating Sansa like she's made of gold because she is the only thing that is keeping them legitimate up there and that Ramsey doing what he's doing to her is stupid. <laughs> it is like really, really, really dumb. And he's only doing it because he is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think Littlefinger did not fully appreciate that. He figured that at the very least, okay, she might have to consummate the wedding, but they know they can't hurt her. She's the only reason that they are going to have any legitimacy up there. And I think that's what Littlefinger thinks because that's how he thinks. And he doesn't, he was not able to fully appreciate someone like Rams who, who really is not acting according to logic or reason at all. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, Littlefinger uh, suffers from what a lot of people in this story do in the sense that he is a noble. And so to him, yeah, 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 you can, you can treat common folk that way. And Miranda, you can do whatever you want to. And, and yeah, you had your fun with Theon, although I'm not sure he even saw Theon. Um, mm. But I don't think he did do that to Sansa. Sansa is a noble. She is a lady. She is the heir to Winterfell that, it never would have occurred to him that anyone would do something like that and that there's definitely different class of people. But one thing we have to remember and that little finger can't seem to understand is until recently, Ramsey was not a noble. Mm. He was one of those common folks. So to him, noble or common folk are the same thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a bit of resentment against nobles as well. And, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a failing because you're, when you're a noble, you're like, well, yeah, 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 you can you can rape and pillage and all that other stuff, but you wouldn't do that to a a noble. Yeah. Well, we saw Ramsay's face when 
Stancer called him a bastard. He is that—that mm-hmm. that is his button. Um, he doesn't have a lot of buttons. He has that one, but it's big and red and right on his forehead. It's—it's <laughs> yeah. it's very easy to press. Um, he, yeah. So, in any case, though, some of what you were just saying about uh, the the blindness of being a noble um, ties into some of the other locations. Um. But uh, we have uh, Tim Dodge saying Theon should hack off Ramsay's dangly bits before Sansa does him in. No, no. That'd be nice. Um, and Mike asks, and if and when Ramsay is killed, will Theon still be batshit crazy? Or is he really that far gone? I think he's that far gone. Yeah, I think Theon is forever broken, and I'm not talking physically. Yeah, I mean, broken. he could, like... I think it's theoretically possible he could get back to where he would at least own his name again. Like if, like if he could get be gotten away from Ramsey, yeah, you know, permanently, like in a way that like he was sure that it was not just a trick anymore. Yeah. I think he could probably get to where he at least knows who he is again. But he, he's, yeah, I think he's forever damaged by yeah. this. Is He'll- not. He'll always never. Have. He's never going to be back to what he was ever. Severe I think PTSD even, and. Oh yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think Theon uh, would need to see Ramsay being decapitated, and and for sure he was dead before he yeah. could even own his own name. And it would probably still um, take a couple weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he is. He's never going to be the Theon that he was. He is yeah. definitely broken and. And while he may have a better life than he has right now, he's never going to be at peace. Mm. And that's a tragedy. Well, yeah. It's, you know, tragedy in the... Well, it's... Yeah, it's tragedy in that classic mythic sense of the punishment is greater than what the sin you know like it's still burn babies he brought it on himself yeah but i think probably most everybody is on board with the idea that like that doesn't mean he deserves all of this that's happened to him and that you know so i i think we could probably sentence him to time served (laughs) yep yep agreed absolutely agreed it um, would help I if he laughing. would tell somebody that that Sansa's brothers are still alive. Yeah, that would be a yeah, good start. That would be a big, uh, big thing too. Great redeemer. Uh, I started laughing because of what Se- <laughs> Sheriff Bullock wrote in the chat. He says, "I'm moving to Westeros to open a private sanitarium for insane nobles. I'd make quite a mint." <laughs> yeah, I just started laughing. And by the way, um, Sheriff Bullock. Uh, the Diet Coke I've been drinking has your name on it. Just, just saying. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do we have anything else in Winterfell? Doesn't look like it. I mean, uh, King's Landing. Yeah, I think we're good for King's Landing. You mean to start King's Landing? Yeah, and we yeah. jump into okay. uh, the Queen of Thorns. More nobles the that Sparrow. don't understand that they're mm-hmm. just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I'm all my we're jumping around. Um, did we start? We started with Elena and the High Sparrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's interesting, of course, you know, like as he as he points out, of course, that, you know, she's basically running the same playbook she's run on on everybody because usually it works. And, you know, even though I still maintain that he's got schemes and an end game in play, um, like he is definitely thinking several moves ahead. It's not all just above board. I think ultimately he, his his ultimate motive really is that he deeply believes the monarchy is corrupt, the nobility is corrupt, and we would all be better off if we tore you all down. I think he was listening to our panel this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really think he was listening to our panel. As I was watching this, I said, oh, my gosh, this is you know, we said we want anarchy in Westeros. We want we want to he, to see the nobles cut down to size, and so does the High Sparrow. I mean, he's a bit more militant about it, but mm-hmm. it was Any kind of exciting. Fearing the few, <laughs> but I'm thinking so. I don't know what his end game is, and things start evolving yeah. a little further. Yeah, um, one of the things that strikes me though is that he's. It's, you know, even if we can certainly be sympathetic with the idea of the corrupt nobility and not taking into account, you know, keeping their their small folk safe and protected and happy, um, like like anarchy is not the 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 unfortunate thing about being a peasant in a world like Game of Thrones is you're kind of screwed no matter what. Like there's really like the best you could possibly hope for is a good noble to protect you because anarchy means anyone with a sword can come in and steal everything you own and kill you. And, you know, theoretically that could happen regardless, but at least in theory, if you have a noble to protect you, you could go to them and say, Hey, this happens to me, you know, or, you know, your, your next of kin can say, Hey, this guy came and, Stole all our stuff, and then you would send knights to go take them out. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm echoing. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not sure why you're echoing either, but uh, I can echo that sentiment. I mean, as much fun <laughs> as it is to think of anarchy, um, and, and I keep saying that because it's fun. Um, I definitely think that the High Sparrow is a lot more militant and a lot more severe and not going about it in the right way. But it was kind of neat, the the whole idea of mm-hmm. you are very soon going to realize how few you are. Yeah. I thought that was fun. I see, I I, I don't wanna <laughs> sorry, I feel like I'm doing all the a lot of talking, but um I think that he is perhaps overplaying his own hand too, because it's all fine for him to say you're the few and we're the many. And I'm thinking yeah, but a large percentage of the many that you're just claiming are probably pissed at you for smashing up the brothel and all the and pouring all the ale into the gutter and walking around with weapons and making everybody have to follow the rules all the time. There's probably yeah. a lot of the many that also don't like that. I mean, getting into their conversation, I mean, as this plays out thinking about what is his end game. So, you know, so Westeros is now a communist church run communist state. Like 
nobody's going to stand for this. You know, the mm-hmm. Tyrells will stop sending food and everything. And I guess yeah. they could pick up their shovels and, you know, in their communism ways or whatever to feed the people. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't work the way he thinks the world works. So, yeah, I just don't see where he's ultimately going with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think uh, the the ideas can be fun. Um, but in reality, the idea of oh, we're going to we're gonna make this a theocracy and we're going to be in charge and we're going to make sure everybody's taken care of. Mm-hmm. But once we've got all the nobles in line for doing the things we don't like, then we're going to have to make sure that all those people we serve are doing the things that we want. And they're suddenly going to be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying I can't have sex right. with anyone mm-hmm. I want anymore? Wait, wait. Nobody yeah. cared. I don't have a last name. Nobody cared who I slept with. Be... And and that's when it's going to be a problem. And you can run into situations that we have seen in reality of when a religious order and a theocracy get way too much power and start um, dictating people's everyday lives. And, yeah. and that that's not so good. Yeah, the people are going <laughs> to be, yeah, we are the many and you are now the few and <laughs> we're not going to stand mm-hmm. for this. It's it's interesting um, because she basically asks him the question of like, you know, there are lots of people like the little people that are that are sinning too. Why are you not going after them? But And he kind of dodges that aspect, but he's also just saying, Hey, if we're all supposed to be the same, then why shouldn't we go after you guys? It's also worth noting here that in this particular circumstance, even if we might think the laws are no good, technically speaking, both Loris and Marjorie are guilty. Yep. Loris was sleeping with guys. Marjorie did know about it and lie. So even if we think that the law shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be the, the way the law works. They're not falsely accused. Nope. Um, although, worth noting, given we have uh, Littlefinger and Olena's conversation in the ruined brothel, is he says, I have the same gift that I gave Cersei, which is, uh, I think he's a perfu- perfumed young man, is what he says, I think. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that the only witness against Loras and Marjorie right now is Olivar, the, the, Loris's lover, who was Littlefinger's employee, mm-hmm. is the only witness against them right now. Mm-hmm. Handsome young man. Yeah, I'm. You know, I want because especially since we they we get in some exposition from Cersei uh, that they are really only being held pre-trial right now which means that the trial is still upcoming, and if a trial should come up and let's say Mr. Witness is no longer available, or let's say he changed his mind. Mm-hmm. Or whereas, says, uh, right, says, you know, well, yeah, I was a squire. I saw him naked. Of course I know he has a birthmark, you know, yeah. colored like wine, shaped like Dorn or whatever. Which is honestly what their should defense should have been in the first place. Absolutely. <laughs> I was screaming that at my TV. I was like, what are you hello, you're his squire, you dress mm. him. Well, they should have said that anyway, but I can also see how he is making an accusation to say, I know because we were lovers 
And so technically it would be one thing to say maybe that's a defense in the trial. They would still probably call it fair suspicion to hold them just the fact that there is the accusation. Mm -hmm. Now, when he says, I'll give you the same thing or I had brought for Cersei, it made me wonder Mm -hmm. if he's the one who connected Lancel with the Sparrows. That was his Um, gift to Cersei that there was set this chain in motion and that would bring her down. Um, or yeah, I don't know. So, well, I don't maybe, know why. I, I guess, w- well, hmm, he's Baelish, so yeah, why he would set them intentionally against each other, or, but I guess that's kind of my, what he does, right? My <laughs> the plan is it, again, this is another thing where I think it they made it a little bit confusing in the attempt to try to fake us out a little bit, but the way I interpret it is that, you know, we we asked the question of Lancel already knows all this. He's already a sparrow. Why is he not already saying something? And I think that what we discover at the end of this episode is that probably he did, and the high sparrow did know all along, but he needed the crown's legitimacy to allow the faith militants to arm themselves and he wants to take down the whole thing. And so basically he used Cersei to get the power mm-hmm. to then take her down. Because if they, if it was just making accusations and they have no weapons and no authority or no ability to do anything, then what happens? Nothing. They probably find themselves in the black cells or dead. And Loras and then Marjorie are test cases and the crown basically was unable to prevent the actual queen from being put into cells. So what could they possibly do to prevent the former queen mm-hmm. from being put into cells, which is especially brilliant on their part. Mm-hmm. And as she's trying to placate her son, she's like, who do you think they're going to kill first? You can't just send people in there. So now he's mm-hmm. going to be paralyzed even more. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, uh, um, the Eye of Horus uh, saying, Littlefinger actually said his gift was a handsome young man. What if it was Gendry? Um, I mean, I, I'm i not sure how it could be. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? That would be a true what the fuck moment because, you know, He's been mm-hmm. gone for so long, and how would Littlefinger ever have known about him if it was all Stannis and Davos? And yeah, I, my, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I had that thought of Gendry at first, um, and I think part of that is the fact that I just want him back in the show, mm. and I think it would be really fun. Um, but I'm not sure why it would be Gendry, but if it is, I look forward to whatever storyline might unfold from there. Um, I think when he says he has the same thing to give that he gave Cersei, because he did not give Cersei a handsome man, I don't think, uh, he gave Cersei truth. And I think that's really what he's giving is truth. Okay, so this this is how I interpret Mm -hmm. what Littlefinger says, although, again, they leave it so obscure that I think they're actually they're just failing to actually tell us what really happened. Here's how I interpret it. Everybody knows Loras is gay. 
but they don't necessarily have someone who will testify to that in a church court. Littlefinger has someone who works for him, who is one of Loras's lovers, who is specifically became one of Loras's lovers for the specific express purpose of spying on Loras. I think that's it, what he's talking about. I gave Cersei a handsome young man who would testify against Loras in court, and now I can give you that same handsome young man who will maybe undo that Recant. somehow. Recant. God, whatever. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it, but again... I love that interpretation. They don't make it clear. Um Gendry, I would like to see Gendry show up again, but I don't really see how he would be connected to anything that's happening here right now. It, I mean, he wouldn't really be relevant to the trial in any way that I can think of. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I the Eye of Horus says, says yeah. that Gendry could prove Cersei's children are ancestral bastards. So there mm. is that. Yeah. Um, which is why she wanted all of them dead anyway. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that it's definitive proof because... He's pretty much the only bastard that's alive so far as we know in the show. Well, there's also no proof of it, right? I yeah. mean, the the only proof we ever had was the idea that he looks kind of like Robert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was always going to be reliant on having someone like Stannis look at him and say, yep. You know. But Westerosi science, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I want to read what Sheriff Bullock says here. So what Tommen does is this. He hires the smartest maesters to draft a, doc, draft a document, a constitution, if you will, that says there's no religious law in King's Landing. Oh, I guess that means Marjorie, Loris, and Cersei, I will go free. Democratic Republic, bitches. <laughs> um, so the, that's, that's, a, that's a fun idea. Um, <laughs> I think the tricky thing, though, is that it's it, the whole monarchy is a house of cards. It goes yeah. all the way back to the um, like uh, Varys's and you know anecdote about the you know the sellsword is in the room with what a, a rich man, a septon, and uh, and a king. I think is how how it went. Um, and the idea of who you know who dies, who lives. Um, the problem is that half of the legitimacy of the throne is that it's supposed to be part of like this religious monarchy yeah. thing. They're supposed to have the blessing of the seven and that's why they deserve to be in charge. And so if they were to try to strip away and say, we're not doing that anymore, there's an awful lot of people who would say, well, if you're not following the seven anymore, then we don't want you to be king anymore. So. But uh, yeah, I I love the idea though. Generally, <laughs> Democratic Republic bitches. Yeah, I just wanted to read that out loud because <laughs> that was fun. Um, uh, and so, uh, uh, let's see. Um, I'm I'm jumping ahead to the not highlighted one because I'm going to say hi, Mike Mateen, oh, yeah. my uh, Survivor co-host, um, who says I thought that the same gift was Brother Lancel, and I I I could see that. And that might be another interpretation. And I think, I, I wonder if maybe I'm biased because of what, you know, how it goes down in the books, which is different in term in, in the books, Lancel's kind of comes to the sparrows in a slightly different way. 
that, but that's not to say that it couldn't happen that way in this show, right? Um, but the, my only hesitation there is just how would Littlefinger make Lancel a gift to anybody? Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know how Littlefinger would have any influence over Lancel. Or it could be just that Loras is the gift. He tied up Loras as a bow to give to Cersei, and he can give him back mm-hmm. to his grandmother. Basically, that forget mm-hmm. the exact means, but mm-hmm. you get him one way or another. It's certainly true that um, because we have these characters talking around in circles, it's, even in circumstances where it doesn't seem like they need to. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I think in this case they leave it vague because they're probably gonna they're just setting us up to just answer the question either next time or or later this season they're just gonna they're gonna definitively say what it is I still think what makes the most sense to me is is uh, Oliver just because he does he's actually Littlefinger's employee yeah hmm. And and he could fill both roles, right? Like he was the one that would testify against Loras for Cersei, but he is also the one that could do something for Olena by recanting. That so that's that makes sense to me, but it's definitely not clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cersei shows up to gloat at Marjorie, and Marjorie yeah. breaks down and gives her exactly what she wants. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just that moment where she like she just can't let it hold it in anymore. She lashes out, and then Cersei's just got that little smile, and Marjorie's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well played." Marjorie is not in the mood for yeah. gloating, Cersei. Like <laughs> Sheriff Bullock's next one, I should move to Westeros and open a paternity clinic or a clinic for debauched <laughs> nobles. I would make a mint. Now that would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely legitimately a uh, a service that would be uh, it's a it's an untapped market niche in Westeros. You know that would get be filled with corruption right away, right? Like, oh yeah. If I pay you more, will you say the baby's mine? Right. <laughs> more, will you say the baby's not mine? I don't think you're talking out of talking him out of starting this business here. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> You could be the Westerosi Mori Povich. <laughs> nice. You 100% <laughs> are the father. Robert Baratheon. Again. Jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the prophecy? Is like, will we have children? You will have three. He will have 17 or whatever the number was. Oh, he, he, he will have hundreds. I oh. think it was. It was like something or many or a lot. <laughs> I don't mm. know. <laughs> He turned um, into WRN, the Westeros Raven Network. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so anyway, uh, I, I, I knew what was coming with uh, Cersei here, just because, uh, of course, what happens in the books, and I, you know, they're changing a lot of stuff, but I couldn't imagine that they were going to change this. But it was just so satisfying watching that scene where she just continues smiling like a dumbass while he straight up starts supervillain monologuing at her, the High Sparrow. And I'm just like, see, pay attention. I mean, it's already too late, but you didn't figure out what was going on until way too late in that conversation. (laughs) And then that the realization dawning on her was really well done. It was priceless. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I saw it coming for sure. It couldn't have happened to a nicer sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really all her fault too. You know, this idea that she gave, she armed them. She gave them all this power just out of this petty need to want to get rid of Marjorie. Um, and so it's really her own, her own doing in a very direct way, mm-hmm. uh, which, and again, it's like, it's like, she knows what she did. And she knows that Lancel is one of them. Right. You know, it, uh, I think this is where we talked, we've talked before how she's just, she just thinks she is better than she actually is at mm-hmm. this stuff. Isn't that actually what Tywin told her in one of the scenes between the two of them? <laughs> yeah. Like so. He straight up said, you're not as smart as you think you are. If I can ask that we, I know it's getting late. Uh, if we could put a, Pen in a, a, a conversation that I would love to have more in depth with you guys sometime in the future mm-hmm. about how how the titles of the episodes to me seem to be so much more literal across the storylines because I think in almost every case this episode had some relevance with the gift and in you know the use of the word gift and and that's mm-hmm. been something that I've I've seen way more clearly this season. So think on that if you would. And um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that later, maybe on a special episode that we typically call those the gift, ironically enough. No, I'm on board for that. That I think that seems like a really interesting topic. Yeah. I was thinking about how tricky it's going to be to name the Balticon episode because it should be the gift episode, but then this one was the gift and then people won't know which one they're tuning into. (laughs) I would just call it the the Balticon gift. Well, and the actually in gift. in the story in the books isn't don't they actually talk about like the gift and the new gift or something? Yeah, it's it's an area yeah. of land, which is what I thought this whole episode was going to be about. I thought yeah, we were going to be talking oh, about no. the the gift because it's it's the gift is an area of land that is south of the wall that was given by one of the queens, I believe it was, uh me, Mila will co- correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that was given to the wall eons ago, so that they could farm it. And then there was the new gift and all of that. Yeah, we're talking and, brand of builder, brand the builder times yeah, here. Yeah, Old and stuff. and and John actually talked about it when he was talking with Tormund that they would give them land, and the land that they would give the wildlings is part of the gift, which was right. given to the Night's Watch. So it's theirs to give. To others, exactly. and so I'm thinking this is what this episode's about. And then I watch the episode, and I'm like, that has nothing to do with the gift. <laughs> you know, I just for some reason, as me, as soon as I saw it, I started thinking, you know, sacrifices to the old gods and the new and the fire gods and the ice gods and whatever the hell. But um, but yeah, that's why we named those bonus episodes the gift, is because that's really the only yeah. thing that made sense with that description that you just perfectly gave, Nettie. So um, one one note I just realized we didn't talk about um, the scene with Cersei and Tommen before mm-hmm. she goes into oh, yes. Baylor's Sept. And I thought that was a really great scene to have, you know, it was very subtle, but have Cersei having what seemed to me like a little bit of a moment of doubt, not necessarily in feeling bad what she's doing to Marjorie, but re- seeing how upset Tommen is. Um, I think she ultimately resigned herself to the idea that uh, 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm reading comments. Um, she resigned herself to the idea that I have to do this. This is for the best. I have to do this for you, even though you don't like it. This is like a tough love sort of thing. Even though it's making you very unhappy now, it's very important. I think that's what she kind of decided. But seeing when he says, I love her, and and you look at her face in that moment, and she, you, you see that it, it is hurting her that he's so upset. And I, I, I liked that just bit of a moment of complexity. Yeah, I had a note of just I wish we could read her mind because you can see so much is going on. And that I think she truly believes she's saving Tommen. This is what's best for him because the Tyrells are the enemy. Yeah, and that's what a mom does regardless of if it hurts their child or not. They sometimes have to say no to protect them. And I have no doubt that that's where she's that crazy bitch is coming from on this one. <laughs> See, and I watched that whole scene and all I could think was, oh, Cersei, you're doing the master manipulator stuff. This is perfect. Because if Loras and Marjorie get out, then your son is forever grateful to you and realizes you have more power than I do as a king and I need you by my side. And if you can't get them out, well, it just shows that you've done everything you can and that you're there on his side no matter what. <laughs> It it goes, like I was saying, what is the High Sparrow's endgame? So how far is he going to take this with Cersei? Is it just sex with Lancel? Is it just you know, adultery well, and, remember, I guess, incest? They, Lancel also killed the King Robert by giving him the extra strong wine during right. his boar hunt and at that, Cersei's direction. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, are they going to go as far as take down Tommen, illegitimize the king, or, I mean, it seems to me it makes more sense to get rid of everybody around Tommen and then say, hey, buddy, we'll do this together. I got your back. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I It might well be that he wants to go. He wants to take down everybody that he can. I, I don't know. Certainly anybody he's going to have direct evidence of crimes for. But it doesn't seem like. I don't know. Would Lancel definitely know for sure that Tommen wasn't legitimate? I don't know. Um, I think that Lancel may possibly know enough about the surroundings of John Aaron's death. That, I think, would be the key. If if anybody ever uncovered the was... first mystery, it will unravel, unravel everything else. But that was Lysa that did that. Oh. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was still thinking that it was Thursday that did that. But no, yeah, that you're right. All, that was just a red herring. Then uh, I don't know. Mike has <laughs> in the comments, Cersei equals George W. Bush and Littlefinger equals Obama. And Sheriff Book looks as that Brienne <laughs> is Janet Reno. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like I want to dig deeper into that analogy because I'm not sure I fully follow it. I certainly laugh, but I, I'm not 100% sure I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that um, would be a, a whole other episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in any case, though, um, very satisfying to finally have Cersei, you know, all of her stuff that she's been pulling for so long, finally catch up with her. Yep. People in glass houses should not be throwing stones. Or heavily armed oh, fundamentalist religious people. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, shall we move on to Dorne? 
Dorn, yeah. So we start, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking Chooch's job here, but I'm so <laughs> excited. Uh, we start with Jamie and, and Marcella, Marcella, however you say her name. I think it does have the R. Marcella. I think it does, yeah. That I enjoyed. It was a brief scene, but, you know, it was also just nice. That, again, it, how poorly thought out Jamie and Cersei's plan always was to begin with. Just this assumption that, like, well, we want her back, so therefore that's fine. But it's, again, another example of not even necessarily planning to take into account what... because. Like, it, it never made any sense what Cersei was wanting to accomplish. Jamie obviously was doing it because Cersei wanted it. And, like, theoretically, they're worried that Marcella could be in danger. And it's, of course, not completely unreasonable to think that, given that the Sand Snakes were also going to try to kidnap her. <laughs> but at the same time, there, there was a whole alliance with Dorne thing that was predicated on the idea that you're going to have them marry if you just go and kidnap her back then how does that alliance go it probably doesn't and you break down and you lose Dorn, and then Dorn is even madder at you right so <laughs> it's not clear oh let's see mike clarifies george w bush created all the policies to meet his ends and obama came in afterwards and utilized them for different means i get it i get it now <laughs> well played I like that your thoughts Chich? uh well um that i thought perhaps jamie was a little surprised that i think in his mind she was just this little girl and you just go and pick her up and do what you need to do i think he was a little surprised how you know she's more much more womanish now and she has her own mind she is in love and she's gonna stay here and what why, why are you here <laughs> we're we're doing fine. And you know, it's kind of cool. I guess you could say she's she's just naive. She's, you know, too young or whatever, but it, she certainly seems somewhat empowered of Yeah, no. Things are good. I love that she's got this whole role. Um they've aged her up, so I'm glad that they're utilizing that and giving her her own agency and giving her her own power. Um I do like the idea of and we as adults have experienced this. You know someone who's young and you don't see them for a while and then you see them and you're like, what? I don't understand. Why aren't you like only three foot tall? Where's where's that cute little dress you used to wear, you know? And and you have to adjust to the person that they are. Um, I, I love that he's just kind of bewildered and like, oh, okay. But the thing that I also really like is she says, I've been here for years. And in the books, it's it's kind of clear that she's only been there for about six months. In the show, we have no idea. It seems like it hasn't been that long. But then again, they did age her up, so maybe she has been there for years. Who knows? Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. And maybe she's just exaggerating like a teenager, but I do kind of like the, I've been here for years. Why the heck do you care all of a sudden? This is my home. I'm not going back to that crazy town. Mm -hmm. They did send her off. Pre-Battle yeah. of the Blackwater in season two. Yep. And and she says, I did what mom told me. Don't tell me to, to change now. <laughs> Mike McCauley just jumps in. Um, 
saying any estimations as to how much time has passed since she left? Seems like she aged at Arya speed. I don't know what. How, how, what's your perception, Chooch? How how much time do you feel like has gone by? It is so hard to tell, and it, it definitely seems variable depending on where you are in the world. We know that you know travel is very variable depending on plot. <laughs> um, it seems like it takes a lot longer to get certain places, and they just kind of whoosh through it. Uh, so I just have to take it. I mean, I did take it as kids exaggerate things. I've been here for years, but um, like you say, as it was season two, then that makes sense that it's been a couple of years. I, I don't know. I, I could buy it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure, but you know, making that thing about has she aged at the speed of Arya? Oh, maybe because to me, I've always felt like they've been trying to hold Arya back because the actress is aging so quickly but then so did Bran because, you know, there's a year in between each season. So now I want to yeah. look up and see um, how, how, what was the age difference between these two characters in season one? And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe she's actually not aged up. I think that it's interesting because as soon as Sansa got her, what did they call it? Her flower. As soon as she mm-hmm. started uh, menstruating and able to, you know, <laughs> allegedly carry a child to term and, and create an heir. And the fact that she was married immediately, was going to be married immediately upon that happening and that Marcella hasn't had that happen yet makes me think that she is, that that is their way of indicating that she's still very young, but that she's certainly aged a lot like Sansa has since season two in those years. But I think my memory is that she's slightly younger than Sansa and can I also add that I love the phrase aging at the speed of Aria? Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it is good. Um, I I don't know, I took her at her word that it's it's been like, you know, maybe not many years, but maybe two. Given if we, you know, imagine all of the things that have happened since then. Um, you know, we have uh you know, the Battle of the Blackwater, obviously. Um Marjorie going up like the whole like only Marjorie even showing up and that whole change of now she's going to be the one to marry Joffrey and all of the stuff getting ready to you know uh, plan for the uh, you know the wedding there and then everyone else traveling all over the place I I could buy that it's been two years I, I don't know and I think also, just the idea that the you know the actors are aging makes sense to me. That you know, just because we see, uh, be, we we have to fill in the, the travel time that we're not seeing is the way I've always been interpreting it. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the uh, the Sand Snakes and Braun in jail? I thought this was a fun scene. I don't quite understand it or why it was here. <laughs> we got to hear him sing again. Um, I did go and look up his his music videos. <laughs> nice voice, horrible, horrible <laughs> videos. Love his voice. So Though other uh, than other than nailing Christiana's foreshadowing that he was poisoned, I don't know why this scene is here. Um, I think it might be the beginnings of an alliance. I don't know, but uh, very quickly, I, I looked up the actress who played the old uh, Mircella, 
and she and Maisie Williams are exactly the same age. Wow. So if Marcella that we see now looks about the same age as Arya that we see now, then yes, she has aged at the speed of Arya. Isn't Sansa the same age as Arya? Chooch, if I can say, I think that this was one way for people to get a better sense of who the Sand Snakes Mm. are and just how lethal that they really, really are. You knew how to get Bronn's heart pumping, so to speak, to get the poison really going through his system. That's what that whole quote-unquote gratuitous nudity was about. Mm. She knew how to get his blood flowing, and she used it to her advantage. And she used that to her advantage, too. I mean, they are not to be fucked with. And I think that's really where I think this scene is all about. And I don't know about an alliance or not. I was just like steering them on. <laughs> right. And I guess not necessarily why is the scene here, but because, you know, I'm fine with some gratuitous boobies and whatnot. And I think in that scene, she was fucking with him and it was fun and she thought it was fun. And what's wrong with that? Right. So I didn't see it bad in those those kind of levels, but I guess more of why would she give him the antidote other than it's just the enemy of my enemy? Like you weren't really who right. we were coming to fight or just, hey, she likes him. Why not? <laughs> or just to show him that if you do help me, don't forget I'm, yeah. the, I'm the top bitch. Yeah. Um, my interpretation was very much like yours, uh, Viv. I was going to say a lot of the same things that you just said. Uh, you, you, we're on the same page here, because uh, I think a lot of I, I've, a lot of the recaps and so on. People seem to not follow that scene. So this, this is maybe I, I really liked it, but I, I could be potentially chalked up as another scene that they weren't sufficiently clear on necessarily. But uh, I, I. So they were just kind of chatting back and forth between the the cells, but then he was kind of kept saying is like, oh, well, it's my code to not hurt a woman. And uh, the uh, they're just like, oh, you know, funny how a lot of the guys we beat turn out to have a code that they're not, they don't hurt women. And, and then he was right. like, I wouldn't say you beat me. And, and so he was like, he was basically all had all this, this bluster to him. And then he was trying to say, oh, you know, you're pretty, but you're not the most beautiful. And, and so I think at that point, she, she liked him and even kind of maybe even liked the bluster a little bit. And so I think that it was sort of like, they could have let him die. Eh, We're giving the antidote either way, but you know what, we're going to make him realize, you know what? You didn't beat us at all. Mm. We could have easily just let you die if we wanted. And so we're going to screw with you and make you realize how screwed you are. And uh, then you know what? Maybe out of the goodness of our hearts, we'll give you the antidote. And I think it was all just screwing with him because it's like, yeah. I don't know that they're evoke, you know, invoking like, uh, you know, you better help us later as much as it's more just a matter of like, we need to kill him. Eh. Yeah. The way the sisters came up and kind of rolled their eyes bored and watched and then got bored again and walked away when they saw that she had decided it, to me, it was like, here comes a wild card. What's she going to do? Let's go watch. Yeah. She let him live. Let's go sit back down again. It was so <laughs> brilliantly shot. I yeah. think that it, yeah. And they rolled I, their eyes when she started too. sorry. Don't not even, yeah. 
You're about to, I can tell you were about to just say the same thing I was, I'm saying is when they rolled their eyes at her as she started, it's so obvious. Oh, she's going to do this again. Like they've seen this before. Yeah. What she does, you know, she likes playing with people and they're all stuck in a cell. So she's going to play with the toy that's there and she's having fun with it. I don't think that they were laying the ground for an alliance. I think that this is the seedlings or maybe a future alliance that story-wise, why is this in this episode? So I think that that's why that's there. Let's not forget, Bronn is not a Lannister man. He's a sellsword. And he made that perfectly clear in the beginning. And and as Tyrion said, if you ever have a better offer, come to me and I'll see if I can match it. And he, he did that. And Tyrion couldn't match it, so he went with the better offer. And and that, to me, is something that we don't want to forget, especially since in the same episode, the people that left Stannis were sellswords. They will, they're always thinking about the the money and who's got the better offer now. So I think that this is a bit of laying the groundwork for something that might happen later. Um, I also just had a lot of fun with it, and I really enjoyed watching it. And I liked how, you know, in my head I'm thinking, all right, he was cut, there's a poison, and then we get the scene where he's looking at her, and the, and you think at first, okay, this is just a, a view of her of her breasts, and then the camera goes fuzzy, and you're like, oh, we're in his eyes, we're seeing what he's seeing, and I thought it was very well done. Um and it just kudos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I finally felt like the sand snakes were the sand snakes. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yes. Precisely so. <laughs> um. And over to Essos. Yeah. Uh. I. We'll we'll talk all about all the little bits, but I I feel like this. Even it this set of scenes ended in a place that I'm super jazzed about Tyrion finally meeting Daenerys but like everything that led up to that was like super sloppy I some of it was just really bizarre mm-hmm. I like just stuff that just made no sense um I don't know if you guys felt that way I agree do you well, um, do you mean like as far as the chaos factor around him that seen the disorganization and all that? Well, just like like I totally do not buy for a second that that slave owner would have also bought Tyrion. I also don't gotcha. believe for a second that a slave beaten on one of the guys holding his chains would not have been immediately punished by all to see. People would not have been standing around laughing. He would have been slammed to the ground immediately. Except that dwarves are jesters in this world, and we don't defend them in, in, as we do, in, and they aren't defended as we do in our world. They are laughed at, and that's how they get their money to survive. So they're used to laughing at dwarf antics, and that's kind of all that I'm going to say, except other than... I think that the way that they did it was the chaos and the disorientation was to help us kind of empathize with Tyrion's disorientation also. Well, I just, I, I didn't like him, like the idea that he's a fighter and like, I, like that idea and then just beating on the guy with the chain. Like I, it, I, it didn't play for me. I, I, 
I didn't believe that the guy would have bought him for it. I didn't think that the staging of him actually beating the guy with the chain made any sense. Like, why didn't the guy just get up? I know, right? It's, it's almost like if he had another skill, if he could juggle or had do acrobatics or something, he could show his worth that way, right? <laughs> Nutty? Sorry, I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but... <laughs> but again, you do. Yes, but again, yes. that's the world. That's where the value of, of people with his height had. That's not mm -hmm. any cruelty. And I know it's most likely politically incorrect, but we're talking about a fantasy world and this is an aspect of it, just like boobs and dragons are. So, so Chooch, what was your whole thought about that, them being sold and Tyrion's wit and everything? I'm, I'm going to reserve my comments. No, I was bit. right there with, with Christiana. It didn't make any sense that yeah, I'm a warrior too. And, and then he's like, Haha, all right, I'll take him. You're right. He's funny. Um, I just accepted it because that's what keeps them together. But it really didn't make any sense. Like Christiana's saying, if he starts beating up some guy, maybe they think, ah, oh, he's just a dwarf. It's not going to be a threat. But he did knock the guy out. I think um, I think the buyer had two choices. One was to kill him and have to pay for him and have it be shown that he could be that easily, you know, disrespected and riled, or he could laugh it off, play it off by Tyrion and walk away with, you know, his head held high, feeling like a badass. And I think that that's the side that he went for. I don't, that's I guess I just speculated that in my own way. Mm. I thought he was he was beating on the seller's man, not the buyer's man. But I'm sorry, I have my nouns confused. But to me, it's almost like a uh, being able to stand up and you know spit out a little blood and say you didn't hurt me, like they do in so many fight scenes in other movies and such. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who would want to be? I, I'm not saying I didn't. I could not tell the difference between the buyers and the sellers' men, so to speak, when I watched it. So. I may be the cheese that stands alone, but um, I couldn't tell the difference. I just saw a dwarf that was being made fun of suddenly starting to beat the shit out of people the same way he did at the Battle of Blackwater and, and in other battles. He actually is a pretty damn spry fighter, and he's lived this long when others wouldn't have. So for me, it was more saving face than anybody getting even because if it, if it was the sellers or the buyers guy – Either one of them could have said, you know, you're killing my guys, you're useless, I'm going to kill you. But I think they were both trying to save face. Again, speculating. I just felt like the buyer had no face to save. It wasn't his guy that got beat up. It was a slave that said, hey, buy me too. And he could have just said no and then walked away. So in the books, this whole script is flipped. This is a complete reverse of what happens in the books. Um Basically, uh, Tyrion and his companion are being bought because they are entertainment. And he convinces the buyer to buy Jorah too, convincing him that he, he's part of the act. Ah, that's uh, interesting. So, yeah, it's a whole forgotten thing. So they, you know, you didn't read it. You didn't forget. You didn't read it yet. But yeah, that's in book five. This is, this is all newbie stuff. Oh, for oh you. well, shit. I'm a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so it was really funny when, was it Chuchu's like, you know, if he started juggling or something and, and Christiana and I just mm -hmm. kind of started laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, but to me, like, as this scene is unfolding in my head, I'm like, say you're his squire, say he needs you to fight, that you give him the best pep yeah. talks or something to that nature, you know, say you're a fighter too, sure, whatever. But I didn't, again, that 
the way that it unplayed, it, it just, I think they were trying to stick with what happened with the book, but they had flipped the script as they've done it a couple of times on us. You know, they had Jamie and Cersei switch positions a couple of times. They've done that a bit. And I think that's their way of keeping it fresh. But by doing that, it makes the scene um, awkward. It makes it very awkward. Well, also just like, hey, Jorah, a little help, given that yeah. this whole thing is supposed to be about you bringing me as a gift. You're not going to speak up for me and say, hey, this is why you should also buy him? Yeah. And I, I, think I also had like this thought that I thought that the buyer actually knew who they were. And I thought that was going to be something that was going to play out later. And then we find out that, no, he's just a slaver pretending yeah. that they're free men. It was like, huh? And then this is actually a good thing from the scene. I really like how they combine Jorah's past. And and um, uh, not Thoros, so that's the priest. Uh, uh, Flaming Sword guy. What's his name? Oh. That's Thundarian? Thoros. No, no, then... no, Thoros is the priest, Thoros. isn't it? Thoros of Mir had the flaming sword, okay. and then he was also a red priest, right? Okay. Okay, yeah, you're right then. I'm, I'm getting confused. Yeah, so they combine the flaming sword with Jorah's backstory. They talk about him killing a Dothraki, and they've right. got all these random stories mixed they, together. They also and I thought that was so funny. Called Drogo. Right. Yes, not the Blood not... Rider, but called Drogo. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, so I, like, I liked that, but I just I, – I, felt like this all everything that led up to the actual meaning of Tyrion and Daenerys felt like it was all in a hurry let's let mm. like what's the minimum number of scenes we can have that get us to that point um and maybe so, it's a gift to the fans yeah well maybe but it just it also felt like some of the stuff that happened was just really weird like why did that guy cut Tyrion free yeah yeah I had that as a note. <laughs> like, huh? My what kind of incompetent slave owner lets all of his other slaves just run out and fight with all of these weapons when they're not supposed to be in the fight yet? Well, my one thought was that guy was not with the slave owner, but that was uh, one of the people working in the fighting pit. That was a Miranese person. Right. And there are no slaves in Marine right now. And this is fake they're saying that these are free men that are going to be fighting and they're doing a demonstration for the queen and he's what and he's looking at him and he's like he's obviously a slave i will free him hmm. this is where that's what i thought i don't want to step on on anybody but th th this to me was almost a, as if it to the fans of the show because Tyrion is a favorite and I don't, and I think a lot of people feel the way I do about Mormont, which is he's great to move the plot along, but otherwise, you know? Well, I, I agree. I'm very happy with where they got it to, the idea that Tyrion's meeting with Daenerys. I love that. Super on board. I just felt like the scenes that they used to get us to that point felt rushed and... Sloppy. Agreed. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, because like what, what you just said, Nutty, like that could be a good explanation for why that guy would cut Tyrion free, but none of that's on screen. Yeah. We have to read that into it. They didn't tell us anything like that. It was just a guy who maybe he was going to hurt Tyrion, but no, then he cuts him free instead. And again, I'm thinking like if these guys are supposedly slaves that are 
only po you know being pretended to be free men like half of them are supposed to go out and fight while the other half stay inside and yet somehow they're all able to just all run out and join the fight all at once too they all have weapons like what kind of like yeah. there's there's no control there and this guy just look he's like the worst slave owner ever <laughs> and so i don't know i i just felt like all of this and the the idea that it was just like this weird coincidence that oh yeah it's this tradition for the queen to actually go and visit all of these lower fighting pits and it just happens to be the one that these guys are at on the very first time that they're going to fight. Right. And like, I love that we have Tyrion and Danny together, but I just all of these scenes just felt like, wow, wow, why, why is this so slapdash? Yeah. Like they put the B writing team on this. I did love that the way that Jorah gets Daenerys' attention is that you know, like when she sees people getting killed. And it's just sloppy fighting that she was going to leave. But then he comes out and starts taking out people non-lethally. Um, just like like a badass. You know, he's basically and he's like, you know what? Here's what it looks like when someone actually knows how to fight. And taking people out non-lethally to get our attention I thought was really cool. And, I, you know, I I am definitely like Jorah's not my favorite or anything. But I'm definitely a believer that no matter how true it is that he betrayed her at one point, I think she overreacted in banishing him. And I don't think that he deserved that given that he had initially met with her under false pretenses but then came to actually love and respect her. And I believe he was sincere in that, and I believe it was an overreaction for her to send him away. And... uh and I, yeah, that's my I agree. I agree. In the series, definitely. Um, in the books, I feel like there's a little more motivation. Uh, she was feeling very uncomfortable with how she knew how he felt about her, and mm -hmm. that was making her uncomfortable. So I feel like that was part of her decision. Um, but in the show, it's definitely like, okay, like, come on, he's done so much since then. I also think, had he been the one to tell her, look, when I first came with you, I was under Baratheon's orders. Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't know you. As I got to know you, I realized I could never betray you like that. And had he come clean, she would have forgiven him. But because it was someone else who tells her, she, she had to have that reaction. She, she made this, this comment when she's in bed with Dario about how she doesn't have a choice. And I love that because I, I forget where I heard this recently, but people always say they have a choice or they don't have a choice. And it's usually because they've already made up their mind, but they're not happy about it. They've made the choice. There is always a choice and they've made that choice. Mm -hmm. And while they don't like the choice that they've made, they're going to continue. So they say, I don't have a choice. Yeah. You always have a choice. It seemed so, like that was planting a seed. I had and yeah. pulled the clip when he had said it. You are queen. You can do what you like. No. I can't. Then you are the only person in Marine who's not free. And I think that's is like setting a seed, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, or just that's the truth of the thing of the matter <laughs> that generally the people in power are not really very free <laughs> to do uh, what they want. Well, if they if they care about what happens to other people, they're right. not. <laughs> yeah, I thought that she looked definitely intrigued. She sees this fighter coming out of nowhere and um, excited, like I say, intrigued that they're not uh, killing people. So that was refreshing. I I got anticipation that that like because I mean his. I don't know. I, I guess I knew it was Jorah, so it seemed obvious it was Jorah, even though he had a helmet. So maybe there was like a suspicion it might be him. But then when he revealed it is like when she made up her mind, she finally sees him and she's like happy. But then I can't. No, I don't know. I, I thought certainly she could possibly um, forgive him in that moment. But of course, he has a gift. <laughs> so maybe she won't just send him off right away she was definitely attracted like you could see how drawn she was while she's watching the fighting like she is just like i'm not even sitting i'm standing i am watching what's going on this intrigues me this excites me this mm -hmm. is what i want to see and then she sees it's jora and there's a uh, oh wait i hate him get him out of my sight <laughs> i'm excited about what's going to happen next yeah um, I don't know. And it was it was a very good intro line. Who are you? I am the gift. It's a pleasure to meet you, Your Grace. My name is Tyrion Lannister. Bum, bum. I I know it wouldn't have made any sense because of course, but uh, I I kind of there's a. The comedy part of me wanted her to say, who? <laughs> <laughs> but, that would yeah, have been so, so great. But of of course, she, she you know, she would know. She would know yeah. who he is. She has her, her little spies that tell her what's going on, on over in Westeros. She has a vested interest in wanting to know what's going on over there. But um, anyway, though, uh, uh yeah, so I I I'm very excited to have those two get together, especially because you know that's that's something that has actually still not happened yet in the books. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm I I feel like from something I've read, it suggested that it wasn't even going to happen soon in the next book. Yeah. Like it might happen in the next book, but not right away. Yeah, well, because basically Jura and Tyrion get to Marine, and they're there, but they're not close to her yet. They're outside of Marine, and then something happens. So they're not even close to, like, if you're reading the books, you're like, this is just never going to happen. They're coming so close. You know, it's like Bran and, and John from last season. It's... It's it's very frustrating. So to see this in the show, it's like, ooh, this mm -hmm. is kind of fun. <laughs> I also, um, getting back to the scene that didn't work for everyone the, when they were the slave auction, I was kind of hoping the person that was buying them was someone that's been absent from the show, someone from Thorn, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I thought that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, they seem like they're leaving out that 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Not all together. Looks like uh, Sheriff Bullock agrees with you guys. I'm disappointed how they rushed the Jorah Tyrion a slave subplot. Since Jorah once sold slaves, it would have been amusingly ironic to watch him twist a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm honestly, I mean, not that I'm complaining exactly, but I'm a little surprised how fast they moved that storyline along. There's um, there's a lot more that they could have done that they decided to skip over, um, which just, you know, it's, it's again, it, it potentially puts them in this place where they have the storylines all out of sync compared to the books. You know, they have stuff happening over in Essos that has not even happened yet in the books, whereas you have other storylines that still have a ways to go. I mean, I, again, I'm not even really complaining, but uh, it is an interesting creative decision. Mm-hmm. I And I agree with Sheriff Bullock. I really think that uh, Jorah having sold slaves and never really owning up to the fact that that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um living as a slave and actually knowing what it feels like, I think would have been a really good storytelling because that is one thing that kind of bothers me about Jorah is he has never accepted blame or responsibility. He's never accepted the responsibility for those actions. Mm -hmm. He, he, even when he tells a story, it's, well, I had to because my wife had expensive tastes and I had to keep her happy. No, it's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. You did it. Mm-hmm. You knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. But he still doesn't seem to think that it's wrong. So had he had that that experience of living as a slave for more than a couple of days, I think uh, I think it would have been really good for his character and mm-hmm. for a, a nice storyline, even if it wasn't in the books. Yeah. It's also true um, that, you know, even though I was kind of defending him earlier in terms of thinking that Daenerys overreacted, I suppose it is nonetheless true that he still actually didn't even quite apologize exactly. It was more like, please forgive me without as much I recognize that what I did was a horrible, horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope that you can find it in your heart to forgive me. It was more like, you don't understand. I really do love you. <laughs> you know, I didn't mean it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> How about some ratings? Yeah. Ratings. Has a rating. I have one. Okay. I'm going to give this one nine out of ten septas that it took to manhandle Cersei into that cell. Oh, that's a nice <laughs> rating. Uh, I'm not even sure what I want to rate this. And I, 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 I'm not telling you your rating is wrong, by the way. I have to wonder if it's so high in reaction how poorly you liked last week's. It totally but. is. It, it absolutely is. This is a bounce back. This is rebound. Uh, this is a rebound rating. Rebound yeah. Mine definitely gets rebound points. Yeah, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to give it eight um, dragon glass spearheads, just in case. All right, I am going to give it... Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think I'll go, I'll go with... Uh, Eight 
corkscrews in creepy McFucko's eye, hopefully. <laughs> and other places. Oh. That gives us an 83% uh, approval rating cumulatively. We don't have vivs, but maybe we'll get that filled in at a later date. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we, we, we've got one from uh, Sheriff Bullock. Oh, uh, Chuch, you want to read that? No, you can read it because I don't want to try oh. to pronounce the words at the end. <laughs> so I can mess it up. Um, lots of great moments in this episode. Eamon's death slash funeral. Sam's general awesomeness. Thursday's comeuppance. And of course, I've never actually seen that spelled out, by the way. So that's kind of <laughs> comeuppance. Yeah. Yes, I've always said it, like heard it, but I've never actually seen it written down. And of course, Tyrion meeting Danny, though it means missing some of his Essos adventures. 8.5, thank Roller Braun lives because F the homophobic seven. Yes, F the homophobic seven. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. in the books, they're not homophobic. Um, and then Mike McCauley says, so now that we're at the end of episode seven, does anyone think Bran will return before next season? My first eight of the season, all others have never made it above six. Mm. Oh, that's kind of good. I think he might get a cameo at the end, the last episode. Yeah, I think if we get anything, that's all it'll be. I agree. If anything, that's all it'll be. I think they're, they'll likely save him for next season, hopefully. I mean, I hope that they don't just say, okay, there, Bran's out of his end, because that would just stink. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll, he'll be back. Um, you know, I think if they were planning to just kind of dump the storyline, they would, would have been able to do it before now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think it's just because they got that storyline so advanced compared to all the others, because it got to the, the end of book five last season. Yeah. Um, and so that one was definitely an issue of, of you know getting so far ahead of themselves and the storylines being out of sync but um just due to the nature of how the tv show production schedules work i would be not surprised at all if we really just don't get anything yeah till next season yeah yeah, yeah. yep all right i think we're out of content so do we want the name of next week's episode it is hard home one word which I believe is the name of the wildling encampment that uh, Tormund and John are going to. I, I, I think you're right. I think that's that's where they're headed. Oh, I've heard that associated with North of the Wall. I don't remember if I knew that because of something in the show or whether it was uh, like a like a preview article. But I'm virtually certain that that's what Hardhome is. Mm. So I, I I look forward to next week's episode. Yeah, and I really hope we get to see what goes on with uh, Danny and Tyrion. I I don't want a oh just we're not going to cover them this week. That would not be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you're really Tyrion. Come on, his dar, let's get out of here. And then they have to <laughs> still, <laughs> I'm just some dwarf. Hey, you know, I hear there's a queen that'll give me a lordship for this. I mean, that that's right. a lot better than trying to rule the freaking marine with the get a pretty penny for his cock. <laughs> well, I was just thinking though that it's certainly true that uh, you know 
although we know how awesome Tyrion is, Daenerys really has no reason to think that he's worth giving any time to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he is part of the enemy's royal family, who also is apparently a patricide, and uh, I don't know what you call it with a nephew, nephew side. Well, he's a kinslayer, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and so it might well be that it's the sort of thing of like, oh, okay, so you're you're Tyrion Lannister. Should I just execute you now, or like, right. I mean, you know, he's gonna still have to do some fast talking because it's yeah. not exactly obvious why she should give him any actual time or attention. I think Danny is smart enough to know that if the enemy comes to you, you might want to listen to what they have to say. And presumably Varys is still on his way and we don't know what his plan was. That's true. We haven't heard of him since Jorah kidnapped him. Um, And I, I think that while it's true that she'll probably at, at the very least hear Tyrion out, I think she is, would also be wise to be very suspicious that this isn't just some sort of a ruse to infiltrate her organization. And presumably they, they will get confirmation that he's the one who killed Tywin Lannister. And right. Yeah. Well, Tyrion could tell him as much, <laughs> but, but I mean, she'll get, it'll make its way. The news will make its way back. I mean, if it hasn't already. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the thing is that he's a kinslayer. Like, it's it's not so much said in the show and it's something from the books, but it's that is seen as one of the most evil of acts. Is yeah, to, like how could you ever trust? Yeah. Right. Like for Drogo to kill Viserys, that was okay because they weren't blood. But if Danny had tried to kill Viserys, that would stain her. Right. So it can never be trusted. Right, exactly. So but it'll it'll be very interesting to see what what this entails and i i'm i'm a lot happier with tyrion's headspace right now than book tyrion's headspace yeah. so i think this will be a lot more enjoyable i think book tyrion needs to do a lot more adventuring before he meets danny mm-hmm. because i don't like his headspace <laughs> yeah cool we did a lot of speculation on next week. We never do that. <laughs> I usually throw out some harebrained theories, but yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm we're usually at wrong. Point where we can, because Christiana and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, we have no advanced knowledge in this particular storyline. Yeah, it's just like I have to say, I was a little heartbroken when this uh, episode opened because my my wish of all wishes was it would open with the continuation of the last scene. And Theon was going to break out of Reek and slaughter, but clearly that didn't happen. I didn't, I didn't realistically think it would, but I was really hoping that would be the outcome. That was your fan fiction. Right. We understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I uh, can't wait till next week so we can yeah. get together and see how this all turned out. We are uh, back. We're mostly recovered. Um, <laughs> So we are back on schedule and uh, can tune in next week, next Wednesday, and <laughs> yeah. see how we did. Woo. 
Thanks for listening, everybody, and viewing, and we'll catch you next time. If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.